Welcome to the Good Dog Pod. I am your host, Laura Reeves. Here at the Good Dog Pod, we are all about supporting dog breeders and responsible dog ownership. We provide dog lovers with the latest updates in canine health and veterinary care, animal legislation and legal advocacy, canine training and behavior science, and dog breeding practices. Subscribe and join our mission today to help give our dogs the world they deserve. Welcome, everyone. I am Laura Reeves, host of the Good Dog Pod. And we at Good Dog are so excited to have you guys join us for this live webinar. This is part two with Dr. Hutchinson. I think you guys are going to find a lot of really good and really valuable information to take away from this conversation. And if you didn't have a chance, you can take a listen to part one that we did last week. So now we are going to move into the second part of our conversation, which is the timing of our bitches. Now that we've talked about the stud dog, now we're going to look at the timing of the bitches. And I know you talked about this last time and we had some follow-up questions from the audience. And so last time you were here, we talked about questions about the ideal progesterone number for breeding have come back up again. So could you talk a bit about how to use progesterone? LH surge technology, vaginal cytology, all the considerations around. So, you know, it's five when I do this and it's 10 when I do that and it's 15 when I do the other thing, right? So that particular conversation is what people are interested in. Well, first of all, and I probably mentioned this before, but I get this a lot, is there is no magic number to breed at. And a study we did with hundreds of samples and just to refresh the memory of those who have heard this, that we took serum samples, all bitches bred with frozen semen. This is when we used to do all surgicals before we started doing right. so many transcervicals. Right. So these samples were all drawn, bitches being bred with frozen semen. We took the variable semen length of life out. They were all having a surgical, and they hadn't even woken up yet. They were impressed to wake up, and we blew, drew the sample. And we had hundreds of samples, and we sent them all to the Case Western Reserve Medical School in Cleveland and had the statistics department because I was young at one time. I was just like all these new guys. I wanted to believe it was so easy that I would send these samples in and we had them looked at for conception rates, litter size, body weight of the bitch and age of the bitch. And I figured there had to be a number. And then what I would do is I would look at you and I would say, okay, at 21.4, bingo, your bitch has nine puppies, eight of them are females, life is good, and we go on and we've conquered this field. Well, what we found out was that there is no magic number. That's why you have to do your progesterones and see when they swing by that, usually five to seven range. That usually corresponds with ovulation, about 90 plus percent of the bitches. And then you do want it to go up. You want it to be just like a rocket taking off. But to say there's a magic number, and what really amazed me was in the study we did looking at conception, the lowest progesterone level in that was 11, a bitch that had puppies, so St. Bernard. The highest in that study was a Westie who had four puppies, frozen semen, whose progesterone was 50.4. These are nanograms. These are nanograms we're talking about. So. What came back from the statistics department was they said, this is all interesting, but there is no statistical significance to the number of a progesterone 
when to go shooting above the ovulation date. So when people come to me and say, geez, I just started with a new person and they told me we're going to breed at this progesterone number, I kind of smile because they will learn, as I did and so many, that life is not that easy that you wait and Some people say they have to be above 18. Well, if that's the case, that St. Bernard never would have been bred. She never would have had her puppies because if I waited till 18, she had died of old age before she got above 18. And then there's other ones like no one in their right mind, including me, would run a first progesterone on the bitch and it came back 50.4. Would I say, wow, it's perfect, let's breed her. Well, no, you wouldn't have done that at all. But that's another thing I think to emphasize on progesterone numbers is that just because you run a first progesterone number and it comes back 28, it may be perfect or you may have missed it. So that is where some of the other detection methods come in. So when you talk about the bitch's cycle, let's kind of refresh our mind because there's anesterous, there's proesterous. There's estrus and there's diestrus in the bitch. So, geez, those are nice names, but what's their significance? What is the difference between a proestrus and a diestrus? She's still bleeding on my carpet. Well, the definition of anestrus is the progesterone is baseline. There's no visible hormonal activity taking place in the bitch. She's not swollen. She's not bleeding. The male dogs are leaving her alone. But the ovaries are still working. They're still giving low levels of estrogen back to the pituitary. And the pituitary then is keeping the luteinizing hormone low. And that's because of what's called this negative feedback. So even when the bitch is in the season, her ovaries are communicating with the pituitary. And this has become real critical stuff now that we're talking about it. Should some bitches have ovary sparing space? Should some bitches not be spayed at all, the ones that carry the sarcoma genes? This luteinizing hormone looks to be the culprit. So when you spay a bitch, and this is not saying you shouldn't spay a bitch, but some of the concern right now in the golden retriever study, for example, and in the individuals carrying sarcomas, is if you don't have ovaries, then it's not constantly feeding back this low level of estrogen. In the old days, back when I was in vet school, we thought when a bitch wasn't in season, she was the same as a spayed bitch. We thought nothing's going on, so therefore she's the same as a spade bitch. We now know that it's totally wrong. So if keeping luteinizing hormone low, if you have a breed that carries a sarcoma gene, some of the giant breeds that leak urine post-spay, it is because we aren't having this feedback to the pituitary. So in anestrus, anestrus, this is when progesterone is down, estrogen is low level, but still there. When you do a vaginal smear here, You see all the cells look like big fried eggs. They have big nuclei. They have clear cytoplasm around them. You'll see mucus. You'll see white blood cells. But then that is anesthesis, low progesterone, minimum estrogen. Then proesterous. This is when the bitch starts bleeding. The bitch starts swelling. The bitch starts becoming attractive to the male dogs. This is an estrogen-dominated phase. So we've gone from low progesterone, minimal estrogen. Now we're going to strong estrogen. And this causes the tissue to take up fluid. So this is why the vulva swells and is hard. You get the leakage of the blood 
into the uterus. The spotting comes from the uterus, not the vaginal tract. So the blood then leaks out of the uterus. And this is the estrogen phase. This is what proestrus is. So when you're doing your slides, this is where you're seeing your cells changing from fried egg cells, big nuclei. Then they start to shrivel up because the vaginal wall thickens under estrogen. It goes from one to two cells thick to 20 to 30 cells thick. As the cells get farther from the blood supply, they starve to death. So your vaginal cytology is valuable in saying, yes, she is in season. This is not from pyometritis. This is not from cystitis or something. She is under the effects of estrogen because all the cells start to look like cornflakes. And about the follicle developing, that is where the estrogen is coming from. And then we start to get some beginning progesterone produced by the follicle before she ovulates. This is unique. This is unique in domestic species. In cats, for example, they ovulate. Then it's a couple days before you see the progesterone rising. In the bitch, the progesterone starts to rise before the ovulation occurs. And about two, three days before the follicle is totally ripe, the cells are 100% cornified on the vaginal smear. So we've monitored estrogen. As the follicle gets ripe and the progesterone rises, usually around two, three nanograms, this then is what tells the pituitary we're ready to move to the next phase. And this is when the luteinizing hormone is released. It goes above one nanogram. It lasts for 12 to 24 hours. The eggs are ovulated. And in the bitch, all the eggs are ovulated over a 12-hour period. It's not over days. It's all over from the one LH surge. So then what's happening? We have the estrogen drop. The progesterone starting to rise. It's this crossover is what we call the estrus part. We've gone from anestrus, proestrus is estrogen. Estrus is now the crossover. The estrogen is dropping. The fluid's going out of the vulva. The color is lightening up to some degree. The male is able to penetrate. The bulb's engorged. The tie takes place. And that's how we get a natural breeding. So does our vaginal smears help us here? No. All the vaginal smear did was measure estrogen. Once it told us we were 100% cornified, vaginal smears are of no more value. They stay that way until six days after ovulation, 100% cornified. The luteinizing hormone test is on the market. It takes three drops of serum. It's called a wicking test. You drop the serum and it's pulled up almost like filter paper. And if it crosses this line and is higher than one nanogram of luteinizing hormone, then this line turns bright red. The trouble with luteinizing hormone, at one time we thought this was going to be the main thing we were going to focus on. The trouble with luteinizing hormone, as we said, it lasts 12 to 24 hours, period, amen. That's it. So when a bitch is full year, full year, a bitch is under the effects, an intact bitch who comes in season twice, it's under the effects of luteinizing hormone for a grand total of two to three days. So it doesn't have a long-lasting effect. So what does that mean, though? If you're going to use luteinizing hormone as your indicator of when to breed your bitch, she has to have blood drawn every day. There is no other test other than one that's run on serum. So she has to be bled every day. 
And it doesn't matter if it's Sunday. It doesn't matter if it's your birthday. It doesn't matter if it's your national specialty. It's always the day you miss is the day you wish you had back. So if you know that the luteinizing hormone spikes, let's say we're running our samples and sure enough, here's that bright red line. Well, that doesn't tell you everything you need to know. It just says, okay, now I'm looking 48 hours later to confirm my bitch ovulated because the progesterone going up. Just because a bitch has an LH release doesn't mean that she always responds to it. You can have some cystic situations on the ovary. You can have some stress situations. You're sticking a bitch on a plane, stay center of strangers. So even if you get the LH spike, so in our practice, do we use the LH on every bitch? No, we don't. It just is not feasible to have you bring your bitch every day to have her blood drawn. But what we'll do, especially on some bitches that maybe had problems in the past, maybe bitches that missed that we didn't think should have, sometimes when we have hospitalized bitches, we will take the blood, freeze it, and then use it to refer back to to confirm that our anticipation on the ovulation was correct. So then you move from the estrus phase, that's when the bitch is being bred, that's when the eggs are being released. Remember also the bitch ovulates an immature egg that has to go through another meiotic division, has to go through a whole other division after ovulation. This is crazy. It doesn't happen that way in other species, but it has to do that before it can be fertilized. So that is why frozen semen, it appears to be used late, three to four days after ovulation, Fresh semen will last six, seven days. You can breed them anytime. It probably doesn't matter. But then we move into the progesterone-dominated phase, which is called diesterous. And diesterous, so we've gone anesterous, proesterous, esterous switchover. Now we're under the effects of progesterone. And this does not vary whether a bitch is pregnant or non-pregnant. This progesterone-dominated phase, diesterous, lasts probably two, two and a half months. And this we see six days after the bitch ovulates. We see all the cornified cells, the cornflake cells, and all of a sudden, just like somebody came in and boom, erased the slate. Suddenly, we see all these cornflake-looking cells being gone. They all look like fried eggs again. There's all these white blood cells pouring in. There's all this bacteria, which is normal. And then we're under the diesterous phase for another two, two and a half months until the progesterone drops below two, and then it goes back down to anesterous. So where are smears valuable? Smears are valuable to tell you that your bitch is under the effects of estrogen. That's period. Amen. You cannot tell when the bitch ovulates. That is also, those of you who use breeding guns, the breeding guns out there that are used, the Drabisky breeding guns. These are, again, measurements of estrogen. These are electronic vaginal smears. And the basis of how they work has been shown in the bitch that as the estrogen rises, so does the electrical resistance of the vaginal mucus. So these breeding guns are measuring the electrical resistance of the vaginal mucus. But don't ask me what the numbers mean, because I don't know. But anyways, but those are more electronic vaginal smears. So they fall into the estrogen monitoring category. The wicking test that we use called the luteinizing hormone test. And luteinizing hormone is species specific. It is different in the bitch than it is in the cow, than it is in people. So you cannot say, well, I'm going to send my bitch's blood to the human hospital and get a luteinizing hormone test. It won't mean anything. 
progesterone is not species specific. Progesterone can be run at a cow lab, a human lab, a dog lab. Progesterone is progesterone is progesterone. Luteinizing hormone is species specific. So when we have this wicking test, there's only one test available. There's not multiple ones. That tells you, is my follicle ripe? Is the pituitary responding to the initial feedback of progesterone? Boom, there we see our red line. It's of no other value. There's no reason to run a luteinizing hormone a week from now, two weeks from now, two days from now. And then our progesterone going on up tells us that we have had ovulation, the corpus luteum, the yellow body is replaced where the ovulation occurred from. That produces the progesterone. And that indeed is what maintains our pregnancy or what maintains our non-pregnancy and as it goes on, again, that's why, because of the diesterases, there's not a reason to skip a cycle in the bench. Okay, excellent. Okay, so, and you mentioned this a little bit earlier, and there was a question on it, and I wanted to go back to it and follow up on it. Split cycles, bitches that come in late, instead of coming in at six months, they come in at 18 months, or they start to come in season, and then they go out of season, or, you know, mm-hmm. all of those yes. normal cycles. Can we talk a little bit about that? And is there a way to make them cycle normally? Is there anything that we can do to get them back on track? Well, it depends upon what we're talking about. Now, a couple things. Most people, I'll get a call. My bitch is now six months and one day, and she's not showing signs of being in season. Should I be worried? Well, let me tell you this. It's progesterone that damages the uterine lining. So that every heat cycle, the uterus is not as healthy after that heat cycle as it was before because the bitch does it to herself, does normal progesterone. So then let's say you have a bitch who you're not going to breed. Let's say you have a bitch that needs the hips x-rayed before you can breed them. So you're going to wait till your OFA is done. Well, would you prefer to have a bitch who cycled at six months, 12 months, and 18 months, has therefore been under the effects of progesterone for six months of her life before you're ever going to use the uterus? Or are you saying, you know, I'm pretty happy. I'm not going to breed her. I don't want to come in until I'm ready to breed her. So when do I become concerned if a bitch reaches 24 months of age without an obvious heat cycle? I really don't get too cranked up about them. There are some bitches that we will induce a heat cycle just to prove they come into season. But very, 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 very few bitches in my life, I can think of one that didn't have ovaries in the uterus mm-hmm. and she had other chromosomal issues. So anyways, it doesn't bother me if a bitch is 18 months and not had a heat cycle. I'm not worried at all. A lot of that can be genetic. Some of it can be physiologic, genius, how mature mm-hmm. are they in that? Mm-hmm. But very, very few have ever led to a worry. Now, I have bitches that will come in for their first cycle, and sometimes they'll stay in season and bleed for four, five weeks of age. (laughs) Yes, they bleed forever and all that. So what's wrong with these bitches? The answer is nothing. They don't have cystic ovaries. They are more prone to pyometritis. All this is is almost like a hormonal incoordination. They're developing this follicle in the body saying, what are you doing that for? We're not ready to be bred. Usually what happens in these bitches, they go back out of season without ovulating. 
they come back in in four to six weeks, eight weeks, and that's the ovulatory cycle. They're normal from there on out. What about bitches that go through two split cycles? In northern breeds, northern breeds are probably the most common. It's called a Wolfian heat cycle. These are bitches that come in, they bleed, they swell. Usually you can't get a natural, so you do an AI, and they go out. And just about the time you're ready to palpate to see if they're pregnant, they're back in season again. What's going on? Well, these split cycles, what we see is they come in, they bleed. Many times their progesterones get up two, three nanograms. It's one of these where they're saying, I've developed the follicle, but there's no response from the pituitary. So the follicle goes back down. They come back in season. Usually, you know, four to eight weeks, the average is probably six weeks. They come back in and that's the ovulatory heat cycle. She just have to be aware that that is there. So there's nothing abnormal with any of the three bitches we've talked about so far, the ones that came in later than what you and I thought they should. Right. The ones that came in and bled all over your comforter and just about the time you thought they were never going out of season, they do, and then they're back in in a month or two. That's just physiologic. That's hormonal coordination. And then the split cycles, oftentimes that's a genetic issue. As I say, it's common in certain breeds and northern breeds and that. Some bitches that come in season and go out without ovulating if there's stress involved. This goes back to the old days when we used to ship bitches before we right. could chill semen. And you get this bitch, she'd be all ready. You put her on the plane and then she'd get there and she wouldn't even be in season anymore. You bring her home. She calms down. She relaxes. This time you're going to breed her more local. She comes in that four, six weeks. She ovulates your breeder and things are normal. The silent seasons occur. This is the one I hear from all the people who have a bitch 18 months of age that hasn't been in season. I believe she has silent seasons. Well, what is a silent season? They do occur. Silent seasons are bitches who don't have estrogen receptor sites. So basically, they come in, the follicle develops, but they don't swell, they don't bleed, they don't show the other outward signs of estrogen being present that we associate with that. As we said earlier, the bleeding, the swelling of the vulva, some of the pheromones given out. And this can be a little more difficult. And it used to be, you always thought of Pomeranians. Those are always to breed with silent seasons. But now I think the last ones I've seen, it seems like Labradors. I had an Airedale. And how did you know? You should say to me, how did you know that these bitches went through a silent season? It's because the people were watching. All of a sudden, next thing you know, the bitch is in a false pregnancy, things like this. And what's a false pregnancy? There's nothing abnormal. It's just the progesterone drops and widening of the prolactin in the brain and the progesterone dropping, the widening of that ratio, the bitch, certain bitches think, geez, I think I had puppies. It's not a false pregnancy. It's a false labor. They think they had puppies and they drive you crazy. But anyway, so how do you tell a bitch that goes through a silent season if you suspect it? Well, there's three things you can do. One, I just bring them into season because when we bring them into season using the Desilorel and implants, which are getting harder to get, unfortunately, but then they're in season in five to seven days, you know, this is what the heat cycle looks like. Does she swell? Does she bleed? No, you're running your progesterone. So you still ovulate. Second of all, would be like every 10 days, just do a vaginal smear. 
because you're going to see the cells change of the lining of the vaginal tract, even though you're not seeing the bleeding and the swelling. So what you would do is do a vaginal smear every 10 days, take it in, your veterinarian looks, and maybe one day says, wow, these all look like cornflakes. Then you start running your progesterone. That's usually the way that you do it. The third is you can periodically run progesterone just to see if she's ovulated a bit. To me, if I'm running something to breed a bitch, I want her to be able to be bred. Finding right. out progesterone and, hey, guess what? We're a month late and $2 short. We're not accomplishing much. If you think you have a split cycle, then what you do is you do the every 10-day vaginal cytology or try to bring the bitch in the season. Okay. All right. So our final question on this particular topic. Talk about resorptions and stillborn puppies, anything that we can talk about on that in terms of optimizing fertility and getting our puppies through to full term. Well, there's three different classifications of what you're asking. There's resorption of puppies. Up until day 38, these puppies can be resorbed totally. There was a study out of Europe that says probably 30% of all bitches resorb at least one puppy. And this goes along with humans, placental problems, genetic problems, whatever. Then you have the second is what are mummified puppies. When you're going ahead and you're doing a C-section or your bitches in labor, all of a sudden you get this little scrawny puppy that looks like an Eohippus horse. It's just leather over bone. And then you also have aborting. And aborting is when the puppies have reached the point where the body cannot resorb them totally. So three different things there. So resorption. Probably number one is uterine lining issues. As the bitch ages, you're probably going to have less success as far as the number of placentas attaching. Remember that placenta in the bitch is as deeply attached as any domestic species. So if you have cystic changes to the uterine lining, if you have fibrotic changes to the uterine lining, many times puppies just can't be maintained. So you may have ultrasounded and seen seven and you end up with two. Other things that cause resorption of puppies, if the bitch doesn't maintain her progesterone level, if the progesterone level drops below two and a half nanograms, the body says it's time to get rid of the puppies, regardless if we're at 30 days or 60 days. So you're starting to look at uterine lining issues. We're starting to look at hormonal progesterone drop issues. The third thing that would cause resorption, again, she says genetic issues. We're starting to appreciate more and more some of the genetic influences on the placental development, different things like that. So those are the three main things of resorption. Yes, there are different chemicals we use. We use a product that causes the bitch to not maintain her progesterone if we have a mismating situation. But the main three causes of resorption are probably uterine lining, progesterone drop, genetic defects. Fourth would be some weird chemical they got into or something like that, but that's more common in horses and cows and grays. Mummified puppies are where you have a puppy that died between puppies that are alive. And probably the number one cause of that would be genetic defects. We're also starting to appreciate too, that there are certain placental issues where the placenta grows so deep and some placentas don't know when to stop. And they can actually grow not only through the lining, then grow into the muscle of the uterus and grow in even the serosa of the uterus. And these are called placenta accreta, placenta percreta. We're starting to appreciate those more and more. So if there's something that stops the blood flow to the placenta, you get what's called a placental infarct. 
and the puppy will die because it starves to death. It can't get nutrition mm-hmm. from the uterus anymore. And remember, there's only two things keeping a puppy alive in the bitch, in the uterus. One is the fetal heart rate, and the other is the blood flow to the uterus. So anything that affects either one of those two is going to make our puppies at least stressed, if not dead. The third thing, then, when we talk about aborting puppies, probably aborting, still number one, I think, is progesterone drop prematurely. The bitch has these puppies. She's at day 52. You're all set. You're getting the whelping box set up, and you go down. Here's all these naked puppies and things like that. So probably progesterone drop is number one. Here, though, you start to get infectious problems coming up. This is where brucellosis affects, causing a placentitis. Herpes can cause a placentitis. Some of the other respiratory infections cause placentitis. You get an E. coli, you get a strep. Anything that would cause an illness to go across the blood supply. And when you think about it, if you and I were going to grow bacteria, where would there be a greater place than in a placenta? Heavy blood flow, no oxygen flow, dark environment is the perfect Mm -hmm. place. It's amazing Mm -hmm. we don't have even more issues than that to me. So you're looking at bitches dropping progesterone prematurely, infectious processes. Third thing, again, some of the uterine linings, especially if you have fibrotic uteruses where the scar tissue, because if the placenta can't grow, the puppy basically starves to death. So it would be an aborting situation. But always when you have a bitch that aborts, first thing you want to do is check her progesterone level. Mm -hmm. Because if the bitch aborted the litter this time due to progesterone dropping, the next time you can supplement progesterone and carry the puppies to term. So it's just one of the things we see. There probably is, in all honesty, a little bit of a genetic aspect to it. It's thought this probably is an immune-mediated effect against the ovary, not just the ovary failing. But on the other hand, if all you have to do to get a beautiful litter of eight puppies is to give two injections of progesterone over the last 10 days, that's pretty good to me. So anyway, those are the things that you look at as far as determining. What I mentioned about large animals, there are certain fescues in that that large animals graze on that have hormonal activities. Certain pesticides have an estrogen effect. We all know how many years ago when all the thoroughbred mares in Kentucky aborted because of the tent caterpillar problems they ingested. These are things that we probably don't worry about in the bitch. And what about dog foods? Most of the dog foods, I get a lot of calls about dog foods that carry peas and some of the other different things like that. But they're in such minimal amounts that you couldn't use them. They wouldn't cause a problem and are not a worry. So Everybody worries about the dog food, the dog feeding. Those of us who work in the business realize dogs can live out of garbage cans and over-reproduce. So probably your food that you're feeding is not the culprit if you're having a problem, either in reproduction with a male or a female. Okay. All right. Beautiful. Thank you again for joining us. This has been part two. Watch this space. Part three will be coming up in the next week or so. Good Dog is a secure online community that advocates for dog breeders, educates the public, helps informed puppy buyers connect directly with certified good breeders, and promotes responsible dog ownership. Good Dog is offering its good breeders special advanced access to the video recordings and transcripts for the full three-part Q&A webinar series with Dr. Hutchinson. 
All you have to do is sign up as a breeder at gooddog.com slash join. That is G-O-O-D-D-O-G dot com slash join. Or click the link in the show notes.